Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. All right, uh, turn your Bibles this morning to two passages of Scripture, Psalm 2, we're going to land there briefly, and then we're going to spend most of our time in Isaiah 33. So turn there. Father, thank you so much that this very moment you are here, our Creator, our Savior, our very life and breath. Lord, we welcome you. We want to hear from you. For as your disciples said, Lord Jesus, you have the words of life. Speak to us life, Lord, today for our souls, for our time, for our families, for our neighborhoods. Lord, may we, may we do more than just get a cup of cold water. Lord, may we tap into the living water flowing from our innermost being. Lord, would you unstop the wells, Lord, that have been sated with things of this world, or Lord, maybe just the busyness of life. God, there's so many things that we just don't hear very well sometimes. So Lord, give us ears to hear what your Spirit is saying. We ask for living water to flow from within us and through us out into this world that people might taste and see you are good. You're a good God, a loving Father. So, Lord, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, take the things of Christ and teach us, impart to us his nature, his presence, that we might be kingdom people. So, Lord, speak, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. This morning I want to talk to you about deepening our roots in God, deepening our roots in God. And the words that I'm going to share today are really about my own private devotionals over the last two or three months, a little, little past the first of the year, probably February. Uh, I began meditating and praying through the book of Isaiah using the Passion Translation. And every year or so, I always try to switch translations of the Bible as a prayer Bible, and I'll just use that for my prayers for a year or sometimes a little bit longer, whatever. But uh, in February, I picked that up and began to use the Passion Translation, and, and Isaiah has just come out in paperback, or if you happen to have the computer version on some, some of the, the uh, platforms, you can get it there. But uh, Isaiah came out in paperback, so I picked that up and just began meditating in it. And the Lord really began to speak to me in a number of ways and to speak some things into my heart and life, which I really needed. And as God began to speak to me, I began to realize that the Lord was really impressing on me that though these words were spoken to me, they were for us, that they were a larger context than just my own heart, that there were a lot of us together as a church family and others in the body of Christ that God is speaking these words to. So I want to just share with you really from, from my own private devotions some of the things that God has been speaking to me and... Um, knowing that these are also for you, for your heart, and for your life. One of the first things that God said to me is that it's time for deepening our roots, and it's time to deepen your roots in God, that we're in a season where it's essential that our roots go deeper in the things of the Lord. The Psalm 
the first psalm has that beautiful passage in it about, you know, we're like trees planted by the rivers of water. And being a planted tree means you're not just a wild seed that blew in somewhere and happened to land in Houston. It's like, no, you're actually placed where you are, even when it comes to joining a church. 1 Corinthians 12, 18, God says, God placed us in the body, each one where he desires. He made us what we are. He knows where we need to fit, what we will need for our lives, what we have to give to a congregation and to a church family, that we all have different parts of Jesus and we need each other. And so God knows how he wants to assemble uh, his own church, his own body. And so God places us wherever we are in life. And we have to realize that he places us, he says, beside rivers of this living water. There's, there is resource for you and God where you are. You don't have to go somewhere else to get it. Right where you are, there is resource from God. And so when he was saying to me, it's time to deepen your roots, I think that he wants for us all to realize we have resources that we need to tap into. They're already there. We don't have to, again, go somewhere else to look for them. God has put you in a place where there's resource and even that living water that I prayed about, it's in our innermost being. It's not to, we don't have to blast off to heaven to get it. It's like right now, right here in our earthly bodies, God is accessing us. And there's a door, an inner door within us that swings both into the spirit realm where we can touch God and pray to God and worship God and it swings this way where God comes into our lives through his presence, through his gifts, through so many other different ways that we could talk about. The psalmist says that deep calls unto deep. And the deep love of God calls to the deep places of our hearts. And as we think about opening ourselves to God and listening to God and hearing the words of God, deep things of God call to deep things in us. The deep purposes of God, the deep will of God calls to the depths of our souls. Follow me. Follow me. Come after me. It's not just a, a word uh, about us or something. It's like it's a call to us when he speaks to the deep places. It requires response from us when he speaks to the deep places. So the word that the Lord gave me one morning was that deep calls unto deep. Deep does not call unto shallow. Deep calls unto deep. Deep does not call unto shallow. If you want to know the deep things of God, if you want to know more of God, if you need more of God, you've got to be willing to go deep. You really want to know God more? I believe this is the congregation that does. But it comes down to each of us. Do you really want to know God more? Then add some depth to your prayer life. Do you really want to know God's love more for your life? Add some depth to your worship. You really want to serve God's purposes. Add some depth to your surrender. Do you really want to hear God's voice and flow in his power? Add some depth to your seeking. It's like deep calls into deep. We need to give God those places in our hearts that sometimes we just kind of cruise over. It's like we know they're there, but we don't open ourselves. We don't we don't engage in a way that's deep enough to hear those deep things of God. And so often, as I, as I prayed again, our busyness of life, we just satiate, not even on purposes, but we get filled with other stuff. And it's like there's no room to go deep. But if we really want to know God, deep calls unto deep. Jeremiah 29, 
13 and 14, the scripture says, If you seek me with all your heart and soul, I will make myself available to you. Isn't that a great promise? If you seek me with all your heart and soul, I will make myself available to you. You want God available for your life? I need God available for my life. Go deep. We've got to go deep, Calvary. We've got to press in to the Lord. We live in times of very rapid and massive social change. In fact, you would even call it upheaval. Things are being turned over and upside down. And as I look at it, there are many other prophetic words coming forth. I mean, we're living in the Psalm 2 moment. This is a Psalm 2 moment. There's no question about it. So I've put up a very horrible slide. I've broken every rule you can break on a slide. But I'm going to do that twice, this one and the next one. Because I just want you to be able to see the whole passage. I want you to look at it. I want you to see the words in it. And uh, never should you do this. But I'm doing it anyway. So there. I don't know who makes those rules, but I don't know why I can't make my own anyway. So here we go. Psalm 2. How dare the nations, this is God speaking, the Father. How dare the nations plan a rebellion? Their foolish plots are futile. Look at how the power brokers of the world rise up to hold their summit as the rulers scheme and confer together against Yahweh and his anointed king, speaking of Jesus, obviously, saying, let's come together and break away from the Creator. Once and for all, let's cast off these controlling chains of God and his Christ. Can we not hear those words in our world today? Do we not see that kind of attitude and activity in leadership across and around this world? And when they talk about controlling chains, I mean, there are a number of things we could deal with from conscious on down, but one would be just simply the word of God. Let's cast off the word of God. We don't want to be constrained by that. We don't want some archaic book telling us what to do, what we can do, what we can't do. When really the word of God is, is a loving letter from God. It's like, it's like a word from a beloved family physician saying, here's what's healthy, here's what's not healthy. Stay away from this, do this. It's like these are instructions from the creator who knows how life works. They are the love of God reaching to us through this written word to protect us to provide for us, to guide us through life. And yet the leadership of the world is like, we can, make our, we can be our own God, basically. We don't need any constraints from some other God that they don't believe in anyway. So when I look at the world, I don't have any problem saying, this really is a Psalm 2 moment. This is a time when in our leadership and in many different ways, we can see the cultural crash and clash against the Word of God, against Christ. And when you think of that and look at our world, it's like the only one, what government, what leader can promise you peace today? Name one. I only know one, and he's the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. He not only promises He's the one that can provide. There's only one that's the hope of glory, to have a glorious world, to have glorious people, and that is Christ Jesus, our Lord. I mean, we live in times of this upheaval of wickedness, righteousness being called wickedness, and wickedness being called righteousness. It's like things are being turned over and upside down. It reminds me somewhat of Jesus in the temple turning over the tables of the money changers. Things were not right. When the Father's house, supposed to be a house of prayer, Jesus said, you've made it a den of thieves and robbers. The injustice against the poor was incredible. 
They would travel for days to bring their, their gifts, their offerings, their sacrifices, a dove or whatever it is that they had to offer. And they would get to the temple and the priest would have to inspect to see if it was, if it was clean, if it was okay, so it could be approved for sacrifice. And they would say, no, this one's got a problem. That one's got a problem. Go over here. We've got some pre-approved animals. You can buy them. And the money changers are there taking their money and giving them the pre-approved animals, just robbing the people. So Jesus comes and he turns things over on the righteousness side, saying this is not right. And one of the things as a prophetic people in the world, we have to be those who interfere with injustice, who say no to injustice and offer an alternative of righteousness, things of this kingdom of peace and joy. We have to learn how to wait on the Lord in a way that can bring forth the purposes of God. Our culture, of course, says hurry, hurry, hurry. Everything is hurry. I think it was Carl Jung, the great psychologist, who said, hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. (laughs) It's like the world wants to keep speeding everything up, so we don't have time to consider all the change that's going around and in us and and around us. But it's telling us that if you wait, you're going to fail. And there are some things of truth in that, in in the world in which we live. I mean, in some sense, there is a need for flexibility and adaptability and change. There really are. I have no, no problem with that in a lot of ways. But I'll tell you, pertaining to the promises and the purposes of God, many of those promises and purposes are conditioned upon us learning how to wait on the Lord. And it's not a waiting of just like, okay, well, we, just, we don't have anything to do. We don't have anything to say. We don't have anything to be after at that moment. No, it's a waiting that's expected. It's a waiting that's active. It's a waiting actually that prepares the way for the coming of the Lord. There's preparation that has to happen. And so the Lord was saying to me for us as a congregation, we need to prepare the way for the Lord. And that means go deep. Go deep. Go deep. Let's make ready for what it is the Lord wants to do in this hour, in our generation. God has essential promises in his word, but they are often for those who wait on the Lord. Psalm, I mean, Isaiah 25, that great prophecy from 24, 25, 26, 27. It's all one prophecy, those four chapters. 25 verse 9 says, in that day they will say, this is when the Lord returns, begins setting up his kingdom. In that day, his people are going to say, behold, this is our God. We waited for him and he saved us. This one, the Lord Yahweh, he's worth the wait. It's like, what a great statement. He is worth the wait. We need to wait in faith. We need to wait in hope. We need to wait in love. It's not a stoic waiting. It's not a bored waiting. And so many people of uh, of God who have believed in, served, prayed for, worked for the purposes and the promises of God, we tend after a time to pull back because we've stopped waiting on the Lord. We might say, well, I'm waiting on the Lord because nothing happens when I pray. Nothing happens when I worship. And I've said it before here in this pulpit that I want to be a church that the enemies and the powers of darkness in this area, that they worry when we worship and they fear when we pray. But we're going to have to be the people that go deep, to let the Lord have his way, to be prepared for him. And he's worth the wait. We have to wait actively. We have to wait again in faith, pressing into the promises, believing 
serving them, praying for them. Now, turn to Isaiah 33. I want to spend most of our time here for just a few minutes. Again, horrible slide. Passion translation. I, I couldn't depend on you turning there and seeing. And again, this is what the Lord's been speaking to me over the last few number of weeks, last couple of two or three months, and uh, from the Passion Translation, which you're not going to have in your hand. So I put it on the screen so that you can, you can read it there. So let's look at this together, because this is where a lot of these promises that God has been just pressing into my soul. I've just been feeding on these, feasting on these, I would say. Isaiah 33, verse 2. Yahweh, be gracious to us, for we wait for you. Be our strength every morning. Now notice again the activity of waiting. It's not boredom. It's not pulling out on the sideline. It's not stopping prayer. It's not stopping worship. It's not stopping. It's pressing into the deep things of God while we wait. Yahweh, be gracious to us, for we wait for you. Be our strength every morning and rescue us when trouble comes. The nations retreat at the sound of your roaring voice. The nations scatter as you arise in your majesty. Their spoil will be harvested, carried away like locusts that strip a field bare. And like leaping locusts, men will leap upon the spoils. Yahweh is high and lifted up. He dwells on high. He lavished his justice and righteousness on Zion. He is your constant source of stability in changing times. And out of his abundant love, he gives to us the riches of salvation, the wealth of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. So in this prophecy, this just passage of a prophecy of several chapters, and there are a lot of other promises. There, this one's loaded with promises. I'm going to walk you through them. And there, but there are many, many other promises made in so many prophecies and we need to understand, as this passage is telling us, it comes to those who wait for the Lord. That's a position of readiness, of preparation, preparing the way for the Lord. So his promises, again, are conditioned that we don't, we don't stop short. New Testament picks up this theme in so many places also, right? That we'll reap a harvest if we do not grow weary. But when we grow weary, when we allow that to take over our souls, then we begin to forfeit the promises of God. They don't manifest in us or for us or through us. And the world needs us to be that light and that love. So this prophecy has so many promises. And I just want to note some of those that, again, the Lord has been speaking into me. And again, it's been like I've been feasting on these for several weeks now. And it reminded me of Psalm 23, 5, where the psalmist David says, you have prepared a feast for me in the presence of mine enemies. It's like, no matter what's going on in the world, let it fall apart. It's like, I'm feasting on some powerful, beautiful, deep stuff of God in these promises and these prophecies. And so I've spent a lot of time here in Isaiah 33 and Isaiah 35 in particular. I could preach a month on that. That we need to be filled for the spiritual battles that are ahead. And there are spiritual battles. They're coming. They are coming at us. They are coming for us. And our preparation is important. Preparation that causes us to be filled with the Word of God, the promises of God, causes us to be filled with the presence and the power of God. We're going to have to be a filled people. And I'll say it again, deep calls unto deep. We've got to go deeper. 
We've got to press in to the Lord. So as our culture continues to devolve, and it will, as that happens, as Christianity in the church is pushed down from a one-up level in my growing up days to a zero level to a minus one level to becoming less and less on the scale where the church is threatened and considered intolerant and unloving when we are supposed to be the tolerant, loving ones. Because again, even definitions of words change and are used in a way that's exactly upside down of what they should be. In this hour of rejection for God's people that is coming upon us, we have to be prepared. And the way we get prepared is to feast on the promises of God. And I want to say it again, that to think about being in a one-down position rather than a one-up position as the church, God's people and Christianity has flourished in down times. We are not to be afraid of this. We're to be prepared for this. And we can bear fruit that is way beyond where we have been. We do not have to be in a one-up position. But it's going to take us going deep. It's going to take us being prepared. So there are promises of God we have got to feast on in our own hearts and lives. Promises that no one can steal. Promises that no cancel culture can erase. Promises no government can dissolve. There are promises of God that we need resting on our souls, that we can feast at the table of the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 18, I tell you the truth, till heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until everything takes place. God's word will be fulfilled. We need to know that. And then when we read it, it becomes a source of stability for us. So I just want to take this passage we got here. Just leave that passage up there, and I want to walk through it and point out to you some of what God... No, go back. Go back to the other one. Leave up the Scripture. There you go. Um, I want to just walk through with the Scripture up here on and tell you some of the things that the Lord has been showing me and speaking to me that maybe he can press into you and speak into your heart. So I'm just going to walk down through it. You just watch the verses as we go, starting in verse 2 there. Oh, Lord, we can still rule and reign with him. Revelation 5, 9 and 10, he saved us that we might rule and reign on the earth. Help him put it back together like God meant for it to be. Well, He's the exalted one. Verse 5, again, he has, filled, uh, he has filled Zion with his justice and righteousness. There's the promise. He is the kingdom come. Justice and righteousness are the foundation of God's throne. And we live in a world that's just hearing all of this cacophony of noise about justice and righteousness. And I want to say God knows what justice and righteousness looks like. And that's what he will bring. So we must stand with him for justice and righteousness in the earth even now. He is the kingdom come. Verse 6, he will be the stability of your times, a wealth of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Two promises. He's our unshakable foundation, the stability, and he is unlimited blessing. The wealth of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. Oh, listen. 
Look who Jesus is. Look who this coming Lord is. This is the promise for you and me. Now we can go to that next thought. He is our daily strength, our sure salvation, our coming judge, our victorious warrior, our divine liberator, our exalted one, our kingdom come. He's our unshakable foundation and our unlimited blessing. Somebody say amen. 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 Hallelujah. I'd even up you one. Raise you a hallelujah on your amen. This is, this is the one that's coming. We need to feast on him. We need to get our, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, the scripture says. This is who he is, and it's who he is for you and your life and for me and my life. Feast on that for a while. Feast on that. He is these things. He is the one who is coming. So we need to... Oh, man, I wish I could do more than speak to your ears. I wish I could speak to your hearts like the Lord's been speaking to mine. He is the one who wants us to be waiting on the Lord, but waiting full of faith and hope and love. I'm going to just read verse 6 again from the Passion Translation. This is the verse that first where God caught my attention and just stopped me here. So I just want to give it to you again, spoken to me, but spoken for us, to us. Verse verse 6, Isaiah 33. He will be your constant source of stability in changing times. Just stop there. Selah. You ever feel like the world's spinning out of control? You ever feel like it's going too fast? He will be your constant source of stability in changing times. Hang on to that if you get nothing else. And out of his abundant love, he gives you the riches of salvation. You can spend a lot of time running that through the scriptures, the riches of salvation, of wisdom and knowledge. Yes, the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Oh, listen, our Father, the music of heaven controls the universe. It is dancing to his tune, trust me. Everything circles the throne of God, dances there in worship. He, he, he rotates the earth in the palm of his hand. This is not hard for God. He is in control, and he's the one that created you. In particular, individually, you have a unique fingerprint of God. He created you. He saved you. You didn't choose him. He chose you. He came after you to seek and save that which was lost. He's the one who loves you. And if ever he loved you, he loves you forever. No matter how badly this world is shaking, he is reliable. He is the constant source of stability. Constant. There is no time that we ought to be shaking when we recognize the rock under my feet is not moving. The wind is blowing, but the rock is not moving. How do we get on that rock? And Jesus tells us at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, when the winds blow and the rains come down and the waters come up, you dig down deep and you get on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. You've got to go deep. You've got to get in him, on him, 
and get him in you, on you. So no matter how strong the storm in him, there is shelter. There is shelter. And we feel tossed and on this roller coaster ride of culture that we're in. I want to say to you today, he is enough. He's enough. He's enough. Today, he's still the Prince of Peace that calms the winds and the waves that batter our lives. He is your Prince of Peace. There is no other. He is love. He is salvation. He is wisdom. He is knowledge. We should just set our fears aside of all that's going on and recognize He is unchanging and He is here. He is, according to Revelation 1, the faithful and true witness. And it's this one that's coming. This is the one that's coming. Lift up your head for your redemption draws nigh. And the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. What is the fear of the Lord? How do you know if you have it? All right, I made a little things as I thought through this, prayed through this. Next slide. How do we know? Well, if you describe the fear of the Lord, these are just words I came up with. It's about respect. You respect God. It's about regard. Do you show regards to God? Do you regard him in the times and moments of your life? Is he in your focus? Is he on your radar? It's about reverencing him. Is there worship? Is there surrender? Is there awe? What are the metrics? How do you know you're on the road, right road of the fear of the Lord? It's purifying. It's liberating. It produces wonder and awe. Not cringing fear. That's not the fear of what's being described here. It's empowering reverence. It's enabling full surrender. Those are how you know. And what's the impact? What does it do to us? Next slide. It crushes our excuses, clarifies our motives, purifies our desires, and melts away our pride. You have the fear of the Lord? then that'll be happening in your life. Do you see it? If not, it's time to go deep. Lord, bring me to understand the fear of the Lord. It's the key to all this treasure we're talking about. It's the key to all these promises. The fear of the Lord. If you have it, these kinds of things are working in your life. And again, it's not saying we're perfect. It's saying it crushes our excuses because we keep coming up with excuses. But the fear of the Lord crushes it. No, no, don't say that. That's not a good excuse. It clarifies our motives. Oh, I thought I was doing that for the Lord, but you know what? I'm really doing it for me. Are our desires in the light? Are they being purified? Is our pride in charge or is it melting, saying, Lord, save me from that? Fear of the Lord is the key to the treasures of heaven. So I ask you, as the Lord asked me, have you been in the wilderness long enough? You know, the children of Israel spent 40 years 
Is it time to come alive again? Is it time to break through the weariness of being shallow? The worry? Here's God's word again. Break, believing is the beginning of breakthrough. Believing is the beginning of breakthrough. When we believe, when we start to say yes, believing is the beginning of breakthrough. So break your agreement with impatience. Next slide. Break your agreement with impatience, with confusion, with heaviness. Choose to believe. Choose faith. Choose joy. You went backwards. <laughs> Go forward a slide. My slides are hard to follow because I don't follow my manuscript. So I'm <laughs> really good at confusing. Believing's the beginning of breakthrough. Choose joy. Choose faith. Break agreements with heaviness, weariness, impatience, hurry. Every day, remember, this is the one God made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. This is his day. His day to be glorified. His day to be honored. His day to be celebrated. His day to be treasured. His day to be creative in. This is the day. Every day is the day of the Lord. Let's honor him with every day that he gives us. Life is not a problem to solve. It's a relationship with God. Day by day, forever. So let's step into what God's inviting us to, and that is an attitude of victory. Awakening ourselves to his promises and his purposes, because there is more freedom to come. There is more glory to experience. There are more levels of revelation before us than behind us. One more word that I, this is the word I want to close with, because this is one of those, thus saith the Lord words, if you'll hear this. God said this to me. He said it to me to give also to you. There are more encounters with God in your destiny than in your history. There are more encounters with God in your destiny than in your history. Would you believe him? Would you believe him? There are more encounters with God in your destiny than in your history. Would you bow your heads? Can we just listen for that still small voice? Come Holy Spirit. I know. We're Americans. So the question is, how long do I have to wait? <laughs> Waiting on the Lord. Well, if we're in verse 6, you've only got to wait till verse 10 because 33.10 says, God says, now I will arise. Now I will exalt myself. Now I will unveil my majesty. We have a now I will God. Wait on him. Stir up your fear of the Lord. Believe his promises. And know he has a now moment for your life. A now moment for his purposes. But his promises have no expiration date. They're not going to go bad on us. 
So I want to encourage you. Spend some time, Isaiah 33, 34, 35. When you get toward the end of 34, it says, Seek for Yahweh's book and read it carefully. You will learn that none of these prophecies will fail. None of them will lack a fulfillment as its companion, for the Lord has issued his decree. And listen, God has fastened his word to eternity. It's not going to pass away. It's going to be fulfilled. So if we're hearing the word of the Lord, if, if you're saying, I want to deepen my roots in God, let me encourage you. Take some time, Isaiah 35. If you can get the Passion Translation, do that. You can always order it. But. Isaiah 35, it is one of the most beautiful and powerful chapters in the Bible. It's a prophetic picture of the church coming out of the wilderness age in which we've lived and moving into kingdom reality. It's a period of time when the Lord's coming is at hand. It's a picture of us, the church, becoming the glorious bride made ready for her husband, radiant and beautiful. It's a picture of our time of being clothed with heaven's power and virtue. Isaiah 35, it's the beginning of the restoration of the whole earth becoming the Garden of Eden and the dwelling of God being established with mankind. Like Revelation 21 tells us it will. So go deep. Father, I pray you will forgive our impatience. Forgive my impatience, Lord. I just want to finish. Lord, help us to know that our finish is to keep our eyes on you. and to go deep. So Lord, I pray that for my heart and for my brothers and sisters. Lord, call us deep, calls unto deep. Call us, Lord. Teach us how to wait in faith. How to wait in hope. How to wait with love. Make us, Lord, your light in the midst of a dark world. As a church, make us a city set on a hill where there is hope shining in a dark place. May your church across this city be a constellation of beauty that Christ is here. It is not deserted. So, Lord, Take us deep. Take me deep. Put us on the rock. Cause us to be the bride made ready. In Jesus' name. We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.